helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 Weekdays on Vision Christian Radio. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. It didn't matter where I turned or what I was listening to. It was like the Lord saying, apply for this job. And I'm going, no way, Lord. I know that, I, Lord, I'm ready to go wherever you want me to go, but just don't send me to the young people. So I had finally realised it was all about what the Lord was trying to show me wasn't me getting this job. It was about stepping outside my comfort zone. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, sometimes in life, God challenges us to stretch ourselves and to get out of our comfort zones. The only thing is, if we obey Him once, chances are He's going to do it again and stretch us even further. And that certainly was the case for our guest today, Donna Fame. Several years ago, she was quite content working as a nurse in South Australia when she was challenged by God to become a school chaplain. At first she resisted, but now she says it's the best thing that could have ever happened to her. But then she was challenged to get even further out of her comfort zone. Donna's sharing her story with Karen Hunt. You yourself, you're an enrolled nurse, but you're more than that. You are a youth worker, a counsellor. You've been a chaplain at the local high school now for nine years. Tell us about Nuri Utpa High School and how you first came to be there. Well, it's one of those stories where I felt a bit like Jonah. I had seen in the paper that Newry High was looking for a chaplain Mm -hmm. and I wanted to have one started at the primary school where the girls um, were going and I I rang the principal and I said, I just want to know what a chaplain does in your school and how I can get one at my primary school and look, we chatted for about half an hour and um, he said, look, can I encourage you to apply for the chaplaincy role here? And I actually laughed at him. Yeah. No, thank you. No, no, I'm okay. Thanks. I've, you know, I've got a small child and you know two girls in primary school, and I'm not looking for a job. But thank you very much. And um, it didn't matter where I turned or what I was listening to. It was like the Lord saying, "Apply for this job." Mm. And I'm going, "No way, Lord. I know that I, Lord, I'm ready to go wherever you want me to go, but just don't send me to the young people." <laughs> so. So young people were my Nineveh. I didn't want to go there. So in the end, I thought, okay, I'll apply. So I went through this, and it was a huge application because in South Australia, um, we have an employing body called Schools Ministry Group, Uh and um, they oversee the employment and the training of chaplains in South Australia. So the application process was huge. There was a whole panel thing, and oh, I hadn't applied for a job for years. Quite drooling. Oh, so I had finally realised it was all about... What the Lord was trying to show me wasn't me getting this job. It was about stepping outside my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So I did that and I sent in my application and um, I got an interview. (laughs) And I'm like, no way, Lord, I don't want a job. So anyway, I went through the interview because I thought, well, you know, I'll go through this process of stepping outside my comfort zone. Went to the interview and and um, it was it was a, f- a fantastic opportunity just to share with them my own belief system, you know, my my love of that sort of you know, in God type work. And um, and I left and I went and did the groceries and I thought, okay, thank you, Lord, yes. thank you for that. That was good. 
I've done that. Lord, you're great. And they rang me and they said, we'd like to offer you the job. And I just, I laughed again and said, have you got the right number? Really? This is Donna, because I know there was other applicants. And um, yeah, so here I am in my ninth year. I'll be nine years at the end of this year. And I just can't believe what an amazing job it is. It's the best job I've ever had. And isn't it great that you can say that? I mean, I'm aware that you actually won a very special award, an impacting project award run by the school's ministry group at their recent conference. Tell us about that in Adelaide. Yeah, that was... um, I was actually in Cambodia at the time with some students and I didn't even know that I'd been nominated and um, I knew that it was coming up and I sort of ignored the emails and just thought, oh, okay, that doesn't apply to me. And um, I came back to some urgent emails saying, please, can you come to this event? You know, you've been nominated. And I didn't even know that the school, our assistant principal of welfare here at the school had nominated me for this. So it was a a huge honour just to be nominated because I look around and one of the things I said to Simon was, oh, you know, people are doing amazing things in South Australia. Sort of a waste of time me going down, but it was sponsored by Haig's Chocolates. Okay. So I was thinking... Surely the runner-up mm. will get some hags. Mm. So, okay, I'll attend. That's and, incentive. <laughs> yeah, no, it was all about the chocolate. And um, and it was wonderful. Um, and the assistant principal came as well. To, and it, was, it was a wonderful evening that school's ministry had put on and the nominations were read out and then I was the winner. And I was just shocked, very honoured, very humbled by the whole thing. Yeah, the award was about impacting projects and facilitating projects that serve the needs of and adds value to the school. So, yeah, it was very, very humbling, very humbling indeed. Well, we'll get to talking about the project award and about your actual community projects in Cambodia real soon. But let's just rewind a little tad. You said you were born and bred in Mwoolomba. You're not a South Aussie girl originally, but tell us what life was like as a young'un in Mwoolomba, New South Wales. Um, well, I was born in Mwoolomba. I think we were only there till I was about oh three or four maybe four and then we moved to South Australia because my dad was a interstate truck driver mm-hmm. so he was doing Brisbane Sydney Perth yeah. so by putting us in um, a little town called Wilmington which is not it's sort of on the other side of the highway to Port Augusta sort of like the gateway to the west okay. so dad set mum and my sister and myself up in a caravan and we lived in a caravan park when I was about four and then my brother was born. So we were in Wilmington in the Flinders Ranges for, oh, until I was in year nine. So that was a wonderful, wonderful upbringing. It was a great place to live. But, you know, one of the things we were talking about not long back was how Dad was an interstate truck driver and Mum would travel sort of behind him in the car or around you know we never had mobile phones Mm -hmm. we never had any communication like dad would put in you know a couple of dollars to ring now and then from Perth or whatever it's just amazing how our communication now is so overdone sometimes we then moved back to New South Wales to Inverell and then to Moree for a little while as well so I met Simon in Moree and yeah we moved to South Australia 
and we've been here ever since. So you're there in Newry. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was a bit of a, a strange thing how we ended up here. I'd never, I had never really heard of the Barossa Valley, even though I'd lived in South Australia a good portion of my life. We just happened to be coming up over what's known as Accommodation Hill and just looking for a job. Simon was looking for a job and we were looking in a phone book and he rung a local trucking company and got a job there. So we set up camp here and we've been here now for 21 years. Yeah, married 20 years this year. So well, congratulations. Yeah, yeah so, thank you. Donna, tell me, what were you involved with, first of all, in setting up camp there with Simon? Well, not really a lot. Like, we just sort of, um, Simon got a job. He was truck driving and we just, we got married and we pretty much have children straight away. So I think we were only married six months and um, I fell pregnant mm-hmm. with our eldest daughter. And life became all about uh, school. I think that's one way of getting into a community is if you have children in a new community, then you're involved in play groups and you meet people that way. Yeah. And I wasn't going to church at the time. I was born and bred a Seventh-day Adventist mm-hmm. and I had walked away for a little while, not from God, from church. And um, Simon was born and bred Catholic and um, he was quite a strong, like he came from a long line of priests and nuns and you know, very strong Catholic background. So, you know, between church, school and just life, that was about what we'd sort of set up here in the valley. So before you married Simon, you'd already done your nursing training, is that yeah. right? Yes. And is that something you imagined that you would pursue when the right time came again? Yeah, I was um, nursing in Hamley Bridge for a little while and then Freeling, so all little communities around here, then Angerston Hospital. But we sort of had Bree quite early, Chloe came two years later, so nursing was just sort of somewhere in between of all that, you know, just shifts here and there and nothing very solid. I never worked full-time in nursing. I worked um, part-time most of the time. Yeah, so that was what I thought my career was. It was all I ever wanted to be in life was a nurse. And that's what it was. And I was really happy with that. So you must have a beautiful caring heart, I'm imagining. I can hear that in your voice. (laughs) Well, I guess so. Well, I think once a nurturer, always a nurturer, because you went on then to do youth work and counselling. How did that come about? That was actually once I got the job as the chaplain. Uh Part and parcel. Yeah, and um, schools ministry group as our employing body and educating body, it was actually, uh, it's now compulsory to do a Cert 4 in youth work. And I went on to do my diploma in youth work Mm -hmm. and then added a a drug and alcohol counselling certificate to that as well. So they all work together beautifully in the role that I do here from nursing, youth work, drug and alcohol and chaplaincy. They blend together beautifully. Now you've told me there are like two different schools in your community. So you've Mm -hmm. got Nuriudpa High School, the state school, and Mm -hmm. you've also got the Lutheran College, Mm -hmm. Faith Lutheran College. Mm -hmm. It's a very German community, I believe, yeah? Yes, very, very uh, strong German settlement. Um, hence names like Nuriutpa. And I know at Faith Lutheran they have care groups that they belong to and they're all German settlement names as well. So you're very strong Lutheran background here. German is taught in the primary schools as well. Yeah, it is very, very strong. And I think last time I 
I was told or I read somewhere, I think there's about 47 Lutheran churches in this little district Ooh, alone. Wow. Because mm, as a, lot. a chaplain, I'm supposedly meant to get around and speak to these churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot to get around to. Very, very Christian community. And your own children, did they go to the Lutheran College or did they go to the yes. State High? Uh, no, um, at the time, you know, I love Newry High and um, highly recommend it as a school. The reason we sent, Bree was the first one to go, obviously, and it wasn't long before she was due to go to high school that I got the job here at the state school. Mm -hmm. So we sort of didn't want to live and work together. We didn't want to be in the same space the whole time. I wanted her to have her own identity as well. Mm -hmm. So we just put it out to God because it's private school certainly comes with a private expense but God has been very good throughout that time with fees and stuff like that so we feel that it was the right thing to do send them to this Lutheran college Mm. and look they've done very well out of it Chloe's still there in year 10 now they've made wonderful friends and they're very good little students Mm -hmm. which is nice You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with school chaplain Donna Fay in South Australia. We just heard how she became a school chaplain after God challenged her to get out of her comfort zone. Next, we'll find out about the next challenge God presented her with and how it stretched her even further. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Donna Fay in South Australia. As we heard before the break, Donna was quite content working as a nurse in South Australia when she was challenged by God to become a school chaplain. Next, we're going to find out how God stretched her even further. Now, you mentioned three years ago, your daughter Bree, she was sitting in church listening Mm. to a guest speaker Mm. speaking about mission work in Cambodia. You've never been overseas before at that time. And the thought of going to a foreign country as you say, gave you palpitations and sweat marks. (laughs) Tell us what happened three years ago. Well, um, it's one of those things, you know, when when your teenage daughter leans over and whispers during a service, Mum, you know, can I go on a mission trip? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And she's like, no, Mum, can you take me, me and my friends? (laughs) Sure. That's very honouring to want to take mum in the first place. I know, it is. It's very lovely. But, you know, I just had, you know, flashbacks of the fact that my overseas was Kangaroo Island, which is by ferry here. (laughs) And I vomited all the way. Oh, no. (laughs) So I'm thinking, how am I going to go overseas? I don't do overseas. And I look, I truly questioned the Lord. Lord, what are you doing? I don't do overseas and I don't take other people's children overseas. I know nothing about nothing. It was... I must admit, it was the most stressful thing I had ever done until I let go of it and let the Lord take over. Mm. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful journey, that one. And just I've only just got back from my third trip. And um, it's just, you know, I think I, when I was talking to you that, you know, God knows our strengths and our weaknesses. 
before we can even think about them. Like, we don't even know that they exist and he shows us in the most amazing ways. And um, if you had asked me three years ago, you know, what would I, you know, did I think I'd be doing this? There's no way on this earth I would have ever thought that that's what I would be doing. So it's an amazing thing. Speaking about mission work in Cambodia, now since then you've taken yourself three groups across, 16 people in the first group, 23 in the next group. You didn't even want to go travelling overseas, did you, originally? No, no. um, Overseas was not my thing. I always maintain that there's so many beautiful things to see in Australia that I don't need to go out of Australia until (laughs) I've seen all them things first. But um, here I was about to embark on a journey to Cambodia. I barely knew how to spell it. Like, I had to look up how to spell Phnom Penh. (laughs) Yes, it was uh, definitely a massive learning curve. So last year was our first year with actual RAW. And um, RAW is all about raising awareness worldwide. That's what RAW stands stands for. Um, You know, creating lasting, you know, a lasting social impact. So creating powerful change that's sustainable in Cambodia through projects and stuff like that. So what the kids get to do is they're involved in uh, like raw works with local members on the ground who know where the greatest need is. Mm-hmm. And um, we've built in the in the three years, we've uh, built a couple of houses as well as goat sheds because having a goat over there is income. Yeah. So if you give a family a goat yeah. and you build them a goat shed and... They've now got cheese, yogurt, milk Mm -hmm. that they can sell as well as feed themselves. And it all comes down to if you are a sustainable family, you have an income, you are less likely to be selling your child Mm. into prostitution Mm. and slavery. But, you know, the sad part is that the raising awareness side of it is a lot of the families out in the provinces, they just... They're so uneducated. They truly believe that when the middleman comes and says, I want to take your children and educate them, of course. Well, we want, you know, they all know that education is the way, it's the key to getting out of poverty. But they don't have the education and the knowledge to know that that's actually a scam and they've just sold their child. So raising awareness within these communities, building, like this year, we were fortunate enough to be involved in building... Um, a school. Now, this school will educate three to four hundred kids a day. They do two sittings. Mm-hmm. So we took twenty-seven young people from here and nine leaders. So we were a team of thirty-six, and the twenty-seven young people that we took were all in year eleven. Four of them were in year ten. Mm-hmm. So it's right at that crucial point where you're trying to work out where is my life going and what is my direction. You know, they're all choosing their their subjects for year 12 and for uni and stuff like that. That key time to getting them to look forward to who they want to be and what they want to do. Mm. You know, one of the key things, what I really love is that Troy shares a scripture with them right in the beginning. And he says to them, you're not going to know what this is about you're not going to truly understand this, but I'm going to reread this to you at the end of the trip. And I'll share the scripture with you. It's Isaiah 58.10. And it says, If you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, 
then your light will rise in the darkness mm. and your night will become like the noonday. Yeah. And, you know, he, he tells the kids this and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's from the Bible. And because um, these are mostly unchurched kids, mm-hmm. but, you know, two weeks into spending yourself, like literally you're so hot, you're sweaty, you've got cuts on your fingers, you've probably had diarrhea and vomiting at some stage, mm. and you just, you have spent yourself more than you've ever done before, but yet you're so happy. That's what the kids can't believe is they're, they're hot, they're sweaty, they've got the runs, but they're so happy. <laughs> they've never been so happy. And, uh, you know, we uh, on our final debrief, because we debrief with the kids as we go through, but on that final debrief, there's not a dry eye. Mm. Troy rereads that scripture and they truly get it mm. that if they spend themselves on behalf of others, then they're the ones that gain the greatest blessing. Yeah, yeah. And it's so foreign to them. They don't, you know, because as a chaplain in a state school, I actually can't talk about God. But this is like showing them God in action. And um, it's just so impacting. Like I've got goosebumps just telling you yeah. about it because I, I can see the kids' faces and I can see that they get it, the penny drops. And they get it. And um, it's just one of those aha moments for them. And it's just a, it's an honour and a privilege to be a part of it. And like I said to you before, I just can't even believe that, that I'm a part of it, that God has used me to uh, be a part of this, yeah. Well, you're talking about transformation of the mind for these mm, teenagers, mm, you know, yeah. what, what's usually a selfish season in life. Yeah. You're also aware of the transformation of your mind in who you are and what God purposed you for. Yeah, yeah. And it is that. And, like, you know, I certainly, you know, I have not been the perfect teenager and, you know, certainly strayed away for a little while. And, you know, you sort of, you, you do struggle within your own self to think that, you know, God's love is so mighty and so awesome. What have I done to deserve that? Mm-hmm. And um, this is what, you know, the kids feel as well. You know, they've done so little for, say, the people of Cambodia, but the people of Cambodia are so grateful and thankful that they're just, they're blown away by that. A new understanding of the concept of grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually used that word while we were away this time. I, I had one girl who just wouldn't get out of bed this morning. She just she just couldn't do it. We're in the second week, a bit homesick, a bit, you know, the whole thing. And I've gone in and I've said, this is your grace card. I'm giving you this one day. Okay, this is what grace is. Mm. You can lie here, you can eat your chocolate, and you can have this one day, but that's all you get. You're Mm. using your grace card. Mm. And um, she was great after that. She just needed that one day. But no, it's, it's such a privilege to journey alongside young people and to be invited into their lives is just, yeah, it's amazing. Well, you're doing a special thing and the fact that, you know, this is not a trip through a particular school, this is a community-based activity, you know, with kids from the Barossa Valley in general. Now, coming back to the state high school scene in Newry, Newry Mm -hmm. Utpa, (laughs) do you sit in that chair in your office where you are right now and think, oh... Why am I here? Um, should I maybe be in Cambodia more? Or what's it like coming back? <laughs> well, you know, the first year I came back, that was it. I was gone. I was ready to put the house on the market. 
moved to Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And because um, Simon didn't go and nor did Ben, the boys stay home and keep the home fires burning and the girls have always gone. Okay. Bree didn't go last year because she was in year 12. Mm-hmm. So that was very hard for her. But Simon, I remember saying, just settle. Take a deep breath. Because mm-hmm. he had been to Fiji on a mission project. He'd been to the Kiribati Islands on a mission project uh-huh. as well. So he sort of knew this concept, whereas yep. I had never been overseas. Sure. So it was very different. But I do understand that if I move to Cambodia, then how is this going to continue from here? Mm. It's about training people up to mm-hmm. continue this through once I'm gone. Because I've got kids who are in year 7, year 8, year 9 already going can't wait till I'm in year 11 to go to Cambodia. Mm -hmm. So it's growing every year but um, it is a community event and it's amazing just how this community is so generous to its young people and I think it's a credit to the community. You're doing a great thing Donna and I I pray you well with all that's still yet in store. So again rawimpact.org is the website if you're interested to find out more about these uh, building projects, these agricultural projects. You're there in the Barossa Valley, South Australia. God bless your community and thanks for your time Donna. Thanks Karen. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Karen Hunt chatting with school chaplain Donna Fay in South Australia. And it was great to hear how God challenged her to get out of her comfort zone, not once, but twice in her life. However, as we heard, she absolutely loves what she's doing now, including leading mission trips to Cambodia. As Karen just said, the ministry that they help in Cambodia is called Raw Impact, and their website is rawimpact.org. That's rawimpact.org. Also, to learn more about Raw Impact, their founder, Troy Roberts, was recently a guest on The Story, and you can look up his interview at vision.org.au. Finally, we'll end with the Bible verse that Donna says that Troy tells the children each time they arrive in Cambodia. It's from Isaiah chapter 58, verse 10. If you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will will become like the noonday, a special promise for all of us. Well, thanks for joining us for Donna Faye's story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was at this school and towards the end, my plan whilst at the school was to go on an extended outreach to Colombia in South America. That was kind of always my dream to go there. It got to towards the end of the school where I had planned all this. It was paid for. And then this missionary couple came from a city called Tete. And so they came and spoke at the school towards the end. And I felt the Lord say, if I ask you, will you give up all of your plans? After finishing university, Jordan Olney had dreams of becoming a millionaire, earning lots of money through real estate. But when he took a short-term trip to Mozambique to go to Bible school, he soon found out that the Lord had more exciting plans in store for him. Jordan Olney will share about his adventures in Africa next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 